we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for November 4th, 2012. And next report is entitled, Islam in the World to Accept New Nazi State Around Jerusalem. A Muslim-controlled Palestinian state will be as free from Jews as Nazi Germany was during the Holocaust. Neville Chamberlain made, quote, peace with Hitler and sold Czechoslovakia to the Nazis. Um, and this is a picture of this particular event. You, there's a lot of pictures in this part of the report. The world is sleeping and the political leaders in the West are preparing for a Palestinian state. In this statehood, if the Muslims get their way, the Jews will be rejected citizenship and denied any rights to properties. If the Muslims truly get their way, they'll be driven into the sea, as Yasser Arafat said. That's their ultimate goal, total annihilation of the Jews and then the great state in America. Uh, is how they view us. There is already a death penalty for Arabs selling land to Jews, and it's enforced by the Palestinian, Palestinian Authority in Ramallah. There are two million Arabs with full Israeli citizenship, most of them Muslims. To build an Islamic state with no Jews, that is real racism. So let's go further here. And here's a picture of Neville Chamberlain and Hitler shaking hands during the Munich Conference in 1938. There's a lot of visuals in this particular teaching. And here's a picture of Obama shaking hands, hands with Mahmoud Abbas during peace talks in Washington. Mahmoud Abbas is the president of the Palestinian Authority. Now, this is the same Palestinian Authority that proposes a death penalty for anyone that would sell land, a, a Arab or a Muslim that would sell land to a Jew. Okay, so the same wonderful Palestinian Authority does that, and has also been he has also been the chairman of the Palestinian Liberation Organization or the PLO. Now, this is he was that after Yasser Arafat was uh, after I believe he died. Yes, he had been elected on November 11, 2004, after Yasser Arafat's death, the terrorist Yasser Arafat. Uh, I've read many quotes from Yasser Arafat in the past, and I mean, there there's some real doozies when it comes to the to the Jews uh, about his absolute wanting their annihilation. Anyway, Abbas, his very first speech as prime minister on April 28, 2003, included demands that Israel release all terrorists. Now, these are terrorists that Israel has that, you know, they go in and they blow themselves up and they kill, you know, 50 Jews or 100 Jews, and he's demanding the release of these devils, okay? That seems reasonable to me, I mean, you know. Uh, and then, as if you release them, what do you think they're going to go do? They want to be martyrs. Maybe they didn't get it done the first time, or maybe they survived some martyr-like attack. Obviously, they did if they were prisoners, but... You think that they're going to go back and do something uh, morally upright or they've seen the light? <laughs> they're going to go back and do the same exact thing over. So the more of these Muslim terrorists you release, the more Jews or infidels, as the Muslims, or kafar, as the Muslims would refer to them, are going to die. So every Muslim terrorist you release, you can just say, well, there's a good chance that one will take out another 50 of us. So I think it's insanity these people deserve the death penalty if they've if they've killed and pre-planned and premeditated and they openly and proudly do this and say it and brag about it and they give them all kind of honors and awards as I covered in the last study. So I mean, you know. Anyway, so I mean, you reap what you sow. Uh, so he called in his very first speech this Abbas, head of the PLO, head of the Palestinian Authority 
This was all the way back in 2003. He included demands that Israel release all terrorists, the opposite of what is called for under the Roadmap for Peace. Here's a picture of Abbas and George Bush. I didn't want to leave him out. In his presidential election speech, confusion in America arose over his position of terrorism, which Abbas stated to a crowd chanting. Now, this is important. This was when he got, uh, evidently, uh, elected president. Uh, Abbas stated to a crowd chanting, a million shaheeds. Now, what does that shaheed word mean? Okay, it means... Martyrs for Allah, in this case. So, a million martyrs for Allah. This is what the crowd was chanting. And then he goes on to say, this is Abbas, I present this victory to the soul of my brother martyr, Yasser Arafat. That devil, evil dude. He's honoring him with all these people. And so, I present this victory to the soul of my brother martyr, Yasser Arafat, and to our shaheeds. In other words, to those that have died for Allah's sake. Then Abbas promised to protect the, quote, strugglers, or terrorists, wanted by Israel for their terroristic acts, and that the little jihad, that word means holy war, a Muslim holy war, waging holy war on the infidels, killing them, deceiving them, doing whatever it takes to advance Allah's agenda, the little jihad has ended. And now the big jihad is beginning. End of quote. So this is the this is the caliber of devil that you're dealing with here. Okay, when we talk about this guy. Here's a picture of good old uh, Barack Hussein Obama in Abbas. Well, I mean, they're two Muslims. They're like two peas in a pod. You've seen those pictures over and over of, of Obama, you know, bowing to all these Saudi Arabian princes and these types of things. So, Obama treats an Islamic terrorist like a man of peace. Similarly, Hitler and the Nazis were hailed as peacemakers in the 1930s, before the extermination of the Israelites and other deemed inferior races in the 1940s, and I'm sure even before that. Israel's plan to build new homes in East Jerusalem and the West Bank should be countered by international recognition of a Palestinian state, the chief Palestinian negotiator said on Tuesday. So, in other words... Israel has these plans to build homes in East Jerusalem and the West Bank. Uh, don't they have that right? Isn't it their country? Okay. Well, they're outraged. The Muslims are absolutely, totally outraged. And they're saying that because of this, they should the world should instantly recognize a Palestinian state. Because how dare the Jews or Israel, the Israelites want to build on their own land? Who do they think they are? that they would actually want to build on their own land. How dare they retaliate from all of our rocket, all of our rockets we've launched over, probably at this point, well over 15,000 with all this land for peace. They just moved the rockets in a little bit closer. How dare they respond to us in kind when we launch our rockets at them day and night? How, how dare they do that? We're Muslims. Don't they understand we're Allah's warriors and, and that the infidels and the Jews have no reason or right to exist on planet Earth because we serve the moon god Allah and he is supreme, right? This is what they think. This is what they believe. They're so deluded and evil and warped in their thinking pattern and demonically possessed, which is really the core source of all of this. Demonically possessed to the toenails. So, Raising the stakes in the deadlock over stalled peace talks, Muslim spokesperson Mr. Arakat said it was clear from the latest announcement of building plans that Israel wants settlements and not peace. 
So they want to build on their own land, some settlements, okay? Because, you know, populations do tend to expand as the country progresses. Because they want to do that, these devils, Islamic Muslim devils, have the audacity to say, see, you want to build on your own land. You don't really want peace. You just want your settlements. It's not even, they're acting like it's an act of war. Anything the Jews or Israel does in the land that they term as Palestine, even though that's a total farce, and there was no such thing as Palestine ever until it was it was created out of thin air, and I, I get into that in the teaching that I post here, the teaching that I did just recently, and that's just a ploy or farce for Muslims to have an excuse to say that we had this land. Anyway, um... They have the audacity to say that, that this is this unbelievable thing that they're, they're doing here. It's okay for the Muslims to do all of the, the suicide bombings and the, all of the wicked and evil stuff they do constantly. All of the deception they engage in. All of the, okay, give us land for peace. They give, us, they give them what they want. They've given away over half of, of, their, of Israel, well over half, since all of this started. And the only thing they ever get rewarded with is more rockets fired at them more deception, more lies. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, you know, and again, I'm not saying that. I think that everything that, that you know, Israel, or that there's not some Zionistic elements at the top of the food chain there that are pure evil, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, let's have some balance when it comes to this subject. So, going for, forward, Israeli unilateralism is a call for immediate international recognition of a Palestinian state. He said in a statement, this, this devil ekrat, this Muslim spokesperson, Israeli unilateralism is a call for immediate international recognition. See, they're using any excuse on the planet. You know, oh my word, uh, Netanyahu clipped his toenails yesterday. And that is the absolute total excuse. They, they, they need to recognize a Palestinian state now. How dare he clip his toenails? How dare he comb his hair? I mean, it's that insane. Any excuse on the planet that they can use to try to get a Palestinian state recognition, they're going to use it. And this is just more more, uh, evidence of that. Now I have a comment here that says, as if these devils think it is unjust and essentially an act of war for Israel to build on her own land. The nation of Israel is surrounded by 22 hostile Arab Islamic dictatorships that are 640 times her size and 60 times her population. Arab propagandists call Israel expansionist. They, they, they want to build some settlements on their land. Oh, they're expansionists. Look what they did, these, these evil, wicked Jews. As if they don't have that right. It, it's total insanity. So, Arab propagandists call Israeli Israel expansionist, but there is obviously no truth to the statement made as Israel occupies one-sixth of one percent of the lands called Arab. One-sixth of one percent. all they occupy. But it doesn't matter what concessions Israel makes to the Muslims. I was just telling Taylor this. Satan will never, ever be satisfied with anything you ever give him. He's always going to want it all. He's going to want it all to the point where you're dead and gone and he has everything. This is the Muslim mentality. Their only recourse, their only stated total goal is total annihilation of all Israelites, all infidels worldwide, and the great Satan America. 
total domination, total world under Sharia law. That is their only, so that they can implement their, you know, um, female child genital mutilation on a mass scale, which is what they do to their little girls, and, and keep their women, you know, in this unbelievably horrific, suppressed, uh, beaten down state that they keep their women in. And, I mean, you could go on and on and on so that they can have their temporary marriages and and um, do all of the wicked things that they do to little girls and little boys. And like they then they can bring in their dancing boys from Afghanistan and have their little little boys they can take home as, as uh, sexual objects. And things of this nature. Things that I've documented many, many times in the past. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of the wickedness that they perpetuate whenever they come into power in any place that they ever are. It's well documented, it's easy to find these things, and I've documented it over and over again. But that's what they want to have. They want to have free reign to do all of this wickedness, and nobody tells them what they can they can or can't do. So if we go further, here's a picture of Prime Minister, the Prime Minister of Palestine, Salim Fayyad, burning uh, Jewish products outside of Ramallah. They're having a big, gigantic... Jewish product burning thing, you know, because anything the Jews would produce is obviously in their eyes wicked. Now, just so you know, uh, he's the Prime Minister of Palestine. I'm, I give you the link to my teaching I did recently, and it's my End Times Current Event teaching from 12-14-12, Part 3, and it's the dirty little secret Islam doesn't want you to know, that the, Palis- that the Palestinians don't exist. They never existed as a race of people. They were created out of thin air for political gain by the Muslims because it was convenient. And this is the whole controversy over the Palestinian state. They never existed as a race of people, though. And then also Muslim leaders admit the Palestinians don't exist. I give you all the quotes from the horse's mouth right there. So if we continue further, I added a lot of thing into the source article here, as I a lot, a lot of times will do, to further drive a point home or bolster uh, a particular topic that we're covering. So I give you my teaching there on the Palestinians. And here's a picture of Nazi police officers burning Jewish books in 1933. Very reminiscent of the picture, if you're following along, of this, uh, of this Muslim burning Jewish books in um, Palestine what they refer to as Palestine. So anyway, I wanted just to contrast that. And here we have a picture of Al-Husseini, the Islamic Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, which is the highest official of religious law in Sunni or Abadi Muslim country. And he wanted Hitler to march on Jerusalem. And uh, in the the end, all neo-Nazis will march together. Here's a 1943 photo of Al-Husseini greeted greeting one of his Arab SS troops. That's right, there were an elite, uh, an elite SS brigade of Nazi made-up Arab Muslims. And a lot of people don't realize that this actually existed. And again, here we have the, uh, the uh, Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, okay? And, he, and again, this was back in, in Hitler's day or whatever. And he was, he was absolutely 100% in league with Hitler. Here is a... Uh, where the Grand Mufti actually meets Heimlich, Heinrich uh, Himmler. Okay, here's a picture of that. Here's a picture of um, chilling with his good friend Adolf Hitler. The Grand Mufti meeting with Adolf Hitler. This is all, and they even had their own flag, and it was a Nazi insignia swastika with a uh, like a one of those Arab swords with a hand on it. That was their 
Nazi Arab Muslim flag that they actually adopted. So I, got, I just want to tie that in to this. The world paid little attention when the late Yasser Arafat declared a, par- a Palestinian state in 1988. But political winds have shifted and now Israel is seriously concerned that the Palestinian president Mahmoud Abbas might win recognition. Now the, here's the comment from the man who wrote the article. And he said, to accept the districts of Judea and Samaria free from Jews will be like committing national suicide for the state of Israel. If the Jews have no rights on the mountains of Zion, the Islamic world will gradually be able to dismantle any right issues today for Jewish Jewish homeland. See, this is how the Muslims are. They're like a cancer. And if you, if you don't cut the cancer out, if you don't eliminate their agenda, they will spread like a very aggressive malignant tumor. And you give them an inch and they will take a mile. You give the, the devil an inch and he will take a mile. And this is exactly how they operate. They're very slimy and, and very subtle sometimes in the way that they operate. And they will kick and scream and act like the biggest babies on the planet in order to get their way. And it's just, the, the hypocrisy is just so unbelievable where they're setting off all of these, they're blowing up people and killing people and destroying and massacring people, particularly a lot of times in Africa as well. And they have all these terroristic acts and the world media just protects them. And the Muslims say, no, no, we're a religion of peace, even though... Every day you could document all of their atrocities all over the planet of how they force their religion. It's either, you know, you die or you convert whenever they get into enough power. But that's pretty much ignored by the world media because they're being used by the Illuminati to actually will be probably the, the real reason how World War III is fomented and how it's actually created. They do have a genuine hatred uh, for Israel, There's, or for the Israelites, I should say. Okay, so again, this is this is what's going on here. So going for, forward here, he goes on to say, the goal for men like Mahmoud Abbas or Saeed Arakat is to totally eradicate any Israeli state where the Jews are currently a majority. If this proposed Nazi state ever comes into existence, Israel will lose control over its borders. When the Jordan Valley is gone, the Islamic forces of Hamas and Hezbollah will soon get a foothold next to Jerusalem. Even the Ben-Gurion airport and Tel Aviv will become within range of primitive rockets made by Islamic terrorists. Like I said, every time you give them land, they're just going to move the rockets a little closer. This is what they do. Uh, the leaders in the West today are the same are on the same wrong path as Neville Chamberlain in 1938. Did you know, and I wrote, I added this in, did you know that Hitler was voted Man of the Year in 1938 by Time Magazine? I, I went and saw the actual Time Magazine cover from yesterday. He was voted Man of the Year. But again, mainstream liberal media will protect people like Hitler or the Muslims or these types of things because they're typically, there's an agenda afoot by the Illuminati to use these types in order to ultimately advance their agenda, to bring their Hegelian dialectic, um, what they're trying to do is bring their order out of chaos. Okay, so this is, this is how it all works. Let's go further here. Uh, by declaring peace in our day, uh, he did not only deceive himself, and this is Neville Chamberlain, in England, but 60 million people had to ultimately die because of this foolishness of making a deal with the devil, meaning his his uh, dealings with Hitler and the agreement he came into with Hitler. You, you do not make a deal with the devil, ever. 
It's, it'll never, it'll never ever be enough. And it'll always turn out bad for you. So going further, next report. Anglican Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams accepts the Pope as the, quote, Holy Father. I didn't say it, he said it. The Anglican Archbishop of Canterbury wants, quote, Christians, meaning, in his term, meaning Catholics and Anglicans, to pray together and place themselves before God. You heard that right. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. The Anglican Church is on its way back to Rome, as if it hadn't already been there, but anyway, to and eager to serve the Pope in the Vatican. Uh, Rowan Williams, the current Anglican Archbishop, was invited to the Roman Catholic Synod of Bishops for the new evangelization and to express his views on the Second Vatican Council. Williams addressed the Pope as, quote, Your Holiness. I would say, I would address him as Your Unholiness. Uh, But anyway, that's his choice. So he addressed the Pope as Your Holiness and underlined the need for full church unity. Hey, you got to have a one world religion under Antichrist and the false prophet, right? Well, it's got to come about in this particular way. You're going to see all of these religions. Here's a picture of that Ratchinger. Uh, he looks like a rat. And this uh, William Rowan Williams, who looks like you know the father of Satan, essentially, these pictures of this guy. I'm sorry, but the guy really looks evil. I mean, these, ca- these guys can't even hide it. I mean, this guy has got eyebrows that uh, literally he could comb back into his hair. They're so long. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, literally when he goes to the barber, he's got to probably have his eyebrows and his hair done at the same time because they're two separate entities in and under themselves. Uh, Anyway, so there's a wonderful picture I posted of him. And uh, this is Rowan Williams. There's an article that was written about him. Rowan Williams may or may not be the Antichrist. Now, this was just a, this was the telegraph. Of, U- of the UK, a mainstream paper. This is what they said about the guy. I'm not going to get into what they said about him, but it was entitled, Rowan Williams may or may not be the Antichrist. And when you see this this picture, you'll all you have to do is look at him to understand how evil he is. Ratzinger um, looks, I mean, totally demon-possessed to the toenails. So these guys really make a great team because, I mean, they're beyond creepy. I mean, really beyond creepy. So, it goes on to say, the most evil man in the universe, possibly, is is out there classifying this guy. And um, they go on to state their case. And here's a picture of uh, this Rowan kissing Pope John Paul's ring. And um, so he has had a lot of dealings with the Pope. And uh, he's got his head bowed, kissing the ring of the Pope, which is a total sign of submission, obviously. Rowan goes on to say, praying together isn't just a casual thing, a marginal activity, he said, meaning the Anglicans and the Catholics praying together. And it's not. It's not a marginal thing. I agree. When divided, he says, Christians share, when divided Christians share the prayer of the church, even if they cannot share the fullness of that prayer in the Eucharist, they are placing themselves before God together and showing the world what it means to be a Christian. They're placing themselves before God. Why would you ever want to do that? God said, I'll have oh, no other gods before me, including yourself, if you want to think of yourself as a little God, like a lot of people fancy themselves. Huh. It says they're placing themselves before God together and showing the world what it means to be a Christian. So, in other words, what it means to be a Christian is placing myself before God? This guy is so demon-possessed, he can't even think straight. He sure can't 
talk straight, making statements like this. And then he says, talking about this um, unity through the fullness of prayer in the Eucharist. Now, I did a teaching called National Council of Churches Affirms the Catholic Church as the One True Church, where I talk about the Eucharist and the blasphemousness of the Eucharist in the Catholic uh, communion. And I'll just read you that little excerpt. I posted the teaching here so you can click on it. Um, this teaching will also extensively cover the Catholic's obsession with the Eucharist and how this practice equates to repackaged pagan sun worship. Okay, but the bulk of the, of the study, which also relates heavily to this Anglican Catholic yoking up here that we're talking about, uh, is covered here because it's the National Council of Churches affirms that the Catholic Church as the one true church. Did you know that that's already been said? This was from a teaching I did on July 22nd, 2007. Okay, five years ago. Over five. National Council of Churches affirms that the Catholic Church is the one true church. Now, I'll get into who the National Council of Churches is in, in a minute here. Because you could say, well, is it some little fringe group? No, it's not a little fringe group. Uh, it's a lot of the big boys in the whole apostate 501c3 sold our soul to Satan religious I'm not saying all the people in those movements have sold their soul to Satan, but the people at the top sure have. In this, in response to the Pope's recent announcement that the, that the Catholic Church is the one true church and all other denominations are just pretenders, I received, I received the following link, and this is my commentary, uh, and I post the link here, to a news announcement from the National Council of Churches that stated, and this is an official statement from the National Council of Churches. It said, quote, The Vatican statement released Tuesday reaffirmed that the Catholic Church is the one true church. Even if elements of truth can be found in separated churches, what, like the Protestant denominations in their eyes, and communities such as the Protestant Orthodox churches. In other words, they didn't say anything to refute this statement. They affirmed it. Okay? So, I write here, I was almost speechless as I read through this. Instead of outrage, the NCC, National Council of Churches, just agreed with the Pope. It's really no wonder, though, as this statement foreshadows the fact that all lukewarm Protestant denominations will eventually affirm the same biblical, biblical position and come under the Catholic apostate horse banner to fulfill the biblical prediction of a one-world church under the Antichrist and the false prophet's rule has to happen from a biblical standpoint. The National Council of Churches, and I looked this up because I wanted it to list here, who is the National Council of Churches? Okay, Who are they? Well, this is a, a United, a, an American organization identified as uh, the NCC is an ecumenical partnership of 37, quote, Christian faith groups in the United States. It's member denominations, churches, conventions, and archdioceses, archdiocese include mainline Protestant, Orthodox, African-American, Evangelical, and historic, quote, peace churches. Together they encompass more than 100,000 local congregations and 45 million adherents. So this isn't like, you know, some little fringe cult reaffirmed the Catholic Church as the one true church. This is 
45 million adherents strong, 100,000 local congregations. And here's a list of the National Council of Church members. I'm not going to list every one of them. I'll hit some of the bigger ones. This is straight documentation. I mean, this isn't any anything that's trying to be hidden or some conspiracy theory. This is who they are, okay? Uh, African Methodist Episcopal Church, Alliance of Baptists, American Baptist Churches, USA. That's a pretty big one. Apostolic Catholic Church, obviously they would be a part of it. Um, Christian Church Disciples of Christ, Christian Methodist Episcopal Church, Church of the Brethren, Community of Christ, Coptic Orthodox Church of America. I got into recently how the Coptic Church has its own Pope, and they'll, they're will they going to be assimilated as well. Um, Episcopal Church of the United States of America, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, uh, Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of America, Hungarian Reformed Church, International Council of Community Churches, Korean Presbyterian Church of America, uh, National Baptist Convention of America, National Baptist Convention USA, Inc., National Missionary Baptist Convention of America. A lot of people say, no, no way, not Baptist. Yeah, they're all falling in line. Orthodox Churches of America, Russian Orthodox Church, Philadelphia Yearly Meeting, of Religious Society of Friends, uh, Polish, Polish National Catholic Church, Presbyterian Church, USA, Progressive National Baptist Convention, Reformed Church of America, Serbian Orthodox Church, Swedenborgian Church of North America, Syrian Orthodox Church of Antioch, Ukrainian Orthodox Church of USA, United Church of Christ, and United Methodist Church. 45 million you got to be real careful who you yoke up with. You know? you got to be real careful who you yoke up with, is all I can say. You go to one of these 501c3 churches, I haven't been in one for years. I've been there, done it, and it was one of the best things I ever did coming out. But then you'll say, well, where am I going to go? Listen, pray and fast about it. I don't have a good answer for that. My listeners are splintered, as I believe the remnant is worldwide, into little pockets, and... You know, you pray and you fast about it, but, you know, I would rather be separate, separated by truth than yoked up in apostasy. And these churches are 501c3 corporate organizations yoked up with the government, 99.99% of them. They will be assimilated into the coming one world whore religious system. They're already halfway there. They're created by the state. They have to abide by IRS guidelines, and they are on that train going into the one world church and here we have tons and tons of proof of that because if these 37 denominations are in a, a, some big boys there okay are willing to acknowledge that the catholic church is the one true church then if they're believing that obviously they're looking to be ultimately assimilated into the mother whore black death cult catholic cult Obviously they are. Even with its pedophile priesthood and the fact that it has at least, and probably is very conservative, at least 50 million uh, blood, uh, you know, the martyrs, the blood of the martyrs that they have on their hands, and all of the atrocities of the Catholic Church throughout the ages. It's just repackaged paganism, is all it is. They're willing to overlook all of that and say, yes, we want to be yoked up with you, and we're telling you ahead of time, you are the one true church, and here we are, and we're just in the staging area 
to be assimilated by the Catholic Church Borg, essentially, to use a Star Trek euphemism or whatever. Anyway, so, um, also in this teaching, um, I and this is a description of this teaching I did on the National Council of Church, this teaching will dovetail into uh, the teaching I did on the Catholic Exposé and also the one I did on Billy Graham, it's entitled Billy Graham, Homosexuals, Catholics, and Apostasy. If you think Billy Graham or whatever is on the right track, you might want to listen to that teaching because he's all part of this as well. You will also learn how the Catholic Church has officially removed the second commandment regarding idol worship. Well, how could they have all that the big idol business they do every year? I mean, they make millions and millions, probably billions every year just on idols alone that they make. You know, they got their Mary idol, they got their St. Joseph idol, they got all their medallions, they got all these rosary beads, all this garbage. The rosaries, all that are, all those are, are Hindu prayer beads. They got that from Hinduism. Okay, just like Hitler got the swastika from Hinduism, he just reversed it. Well, the Catholics got the whole concept of the rosary from the Hindus because they had the Hindu prayer beads. They just incorporated that into a rosary and put a crucifix on it. That's all they did. It's all idolatry, paganism. All of it is rooted in evil. Okay? I don't have anything to do with any of that garbage. But the Catholic Church has removed, and, and has for a long time, removed the second commandment regarding idol worship and compensated for this by splitting the tenth commandment to cover their blasphemous tracts. So they still have ten commandments, they just split the, the tenth commandment in two and remove the one about idol worship. How convenient is that? That is how evil they are. I mean, don't think I'm biased. Sorry. Anyway, so back to their main report. Preparing to retire... Rowan Williams um, said he was uh, said he obviously was disappointed that the efforts to promote full visible Christian unity had not progressed further. Spoken like Satan himself, but no one could deny that Christians pray and work together today in a way that would have been unimaginable in the fifties. Well, yeah, we're getting closer to the one world religion, and they're not Christians; they're pseudo apostate, lukewarm. Christians, if you want to put that veneer on, but you have to have other adjectives in front because they're not real Christians. Uh, and then this is the exact words of Williams in his address to the Pope. Quote, I am deeply honored by the Holy Father's invitation. He has the audacity to refer to that devil as the Holy Father. Okay? He says, I am deeply honored by the Holy Father's invitation to speak in this gathering. As the psalmist says, and then he goes into some Latin tirade here, which translates to how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Okay, in, where it says that in Psalms. Okay. Um, the gathering of bishops in, in Synod for the good of all Christ's people is the one of those disciplines that sustain the health of Christ's church. End of quote. Um, you'll hear my response to this. Anyway, going further, the the guy that wrote the article, Ivar, he comments, I will never get tired of warning Christians, uh, get tired of warning Christians not to listen to men like Rowan Williams. Not following reprobates like this is a matter of refusing the blessings from heaven and eventually a matter of eternity in heaven or hell. You follow a guy like this, you're going to wind up in hell. Because all he can offer you is false religion, a perverted gospel. Jesus the Messiah addressed his father as Holy Father. This is the title of God, the Father in Heaven, and is not to be used as a title for a mortal human being. 
Jesus said in Matthew 23, 9, And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. You call your dad, your dad. Father is an exclusive term used for your father in heaven. It's not a term used by a priest or the Pope or anyone else. It's blasphemy. Just like to call somebody reverend. It's used one time in the Bible, and it's used to God only, and it says holy and reverend is he. He's worthy of our reverence. No man is to be revered or reverenced from the standpoint of almost a reverential worship type of thing. We're just men. Or a woman. Okay? We're just men or women. Okay? We're not to be worshipped. Only God is worthy that. Okay? Not to say you don't show people respect and kindness and love, okay? But it's another whole thing to put somebody up on a pedestal and to reverence them in almost a literal worshipful type way, which is what the Freemasons love to do as well, with all their lofty blasphemous titles that they adopt upon themselves. So, when a human being claims he must be honored and addressed as, quote, the Holy Father, it is blasphemy and spiritual prostitution. Jesus does not want us to call any priest or spiritual leader father. We have only one father. Also, if you want to know about the reverend thing, just key in reverend in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I did like a 20-minute teaching on that, if you want to know more about that. Anyway, so we have only one Father, and that is our Father God in Heaven. When the Pope claims to be infallible, and the Holy Father, he sets himself up in the seat of God, and only God is infallible. The Pope also claims to be above God, because the Pope's edicts and proclamations throughout the ages have always superseded and overridden the Word of God, which is true for any cult. Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, you name it. The people that start those cults, and the people that come after them, their supposed prophets, whenever they utter a word and it becomes part of their dogma, you know that's always going to contradict the Bible in some way, shape, or form, typically. And who are they going to actually obey when it comes down to when you have to say, well, who do we obey? The, the prophets or, or this blasphemous book, or do we obey the Bible? Well, they're always going to obey the cult leaders. They're always going to obey the, their, their bad doctrine. It always overrides the Bible. The, the book of the, the Mormons can have a King James Bible all day long, but guaranteed, when, wherever the King James Bible contradicts the Book of Mormon or the Pearl of Great Price, which are their two other unholy books, the Pearl of Great Price and the Book of Mormon are going to override them. That's how it always works, and the Catholic Church is no different. So that's why we say the Pope claims to be above God because the Pope's edicts and proclamations throughout the ages have always superseded and overridden the Word of God. So Catholics are essentially taught that the Bible cannot be understood correctly unless the Pope interprets it, or in a, on the case of a local level, the priest interprets it for them. And before, you know, they made sure that the Catholic faithful were as dumbed down as possible so that they couldn't even read the Bible, and only the, the, the priest class could actually really read the Bible, it was in Latin or whatever, and interpret it for them. And so, again, that was why the printing press was such an amazing thing for spreading the word of God. Let's go further. I added this in. And this, um, it's the papal title of the Vicar of Christ. Uh, there's a picture I put in here of Ratzinger, this Pope Benedict or whatever. I'll tell you, <laughs> you can't get much more evil looking than this guy. I mean, he doesn't even try to hide it. I mean, it, it, Taylor, you guys, you see this? 
I'm showing Taylor. I want to show Taylor this picture. It's it's just it's unbelievable that any Catholic could follow this guy. All you got to do is take one look at him to know the man is pure evil. Okay, and I mean Pope John Paul II wasn't near as nefarious looking as this guy. Okay, this guy's just way out in the open. Okay, he's not even trying to hide it. But anyway, I guess anyway. The, the papal t- title of the Vicar of Christ, which in Latin is Vicarius Christi, means a substitute for Christ. Okay? Which is similar with the Antichrist assuming the power of the Almighty on earth. This blasphemous claim is made repeatedly by various popes and is the very foundation of the Roman Catholicism and its papacy. Clearly then, the Vicar of Christ, or Vicarius Christi, and the Antichrist have very similar meanings. The Pope has the audacity to actually substitute himself in place of Jesus Christ on earth, because this is one of his titles. Okay, Pictured above is a photograph of the Pope's triple crown taken from the Vatican Museum. Did you know the Pope won the triple crown in the horse racing? Era? No, sorry, just I made that up. Anyway, it's it, it's a it's a photograph of the Pope's triple crown taken from the Vatican Museum with the inscription of Vicarious Philae Dei, which literally means substitute for the Son of God. It's right here. It's from this is the Pope's tiara. Um, does he have one of those? Also, those what are those things called that you wrap around your neck? The the fuzzy things. A what? Scone. Scarf? No, no. The, fu- the boas. I mean, if he's going to have a tear, he should have a boa. You know, like one of those real fuzzy things the, the women that are real rich wear and stuff. You know, I mean, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, just a little humor there. Anyway, it literally means, and it's right off their website, it's right off the, the Vatican's official whatever, substitute for the Son of God. <laughs> I mean, I I can't even, I mean, the blasphemy of this black death cult, it it just knows no bounds. The arrogance and pride and in your face. I I just, it's unbelievable. Anyway, I give you pictures of all of this stuff so you can understand I'm not making this stuff up. This is straight, you know, from the horse's mouth here of the Catholic Church. Now, here's a a little uh, thing where these people... I like to give them some high fives. I guess they're outside of some Catholic church and they're protesting the Pope. And the one lady has a sign that says, Pope resign, Pope hid sex abuse, Um, Pope is an accomplice to sex abuse cover-up. And that's another thing that the Vatican's done mightily. Making sure that they hide and protect and coddle and move around all of their pedophile priesthood so that they can go and further defile other little boys and girls, and that the Catholic doesn't, the, the Catholic religion doesn't get any egg on their face. Or if they do, they pay them off in private, or, or they suppress things, or they buy the court systems off, and they make not not to say it always happens, but it happens a lot. And here's another guy. He says, "Pope protected pedophile priests and resigned." Pope's 2001 order to bishops cover up sex abuse. This is what the Catholic Church does. This is fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. I've said, you you look at the Muslims, you look at the Catholics, what type of fruit do they produce? They produce pure, rotten, evil, black fruit. That's all they can produce. 
A corrupt spring cannot bring forth good water. A corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundation was wicked and corrupt from the beginning. From, the very, from its very inception, all the way back to 318 AD with Constantine, when the modern day Catholic Church kind of started getting cranked up, essentially. It was wicked and corrupt from its inception. And you can't undo evil. You can't, un, you can't make something evil good if it's pure evil. You just can't transform. You can't make, wave a magic wand and make something evil good. If it's evil, if it's wicked, if it's corrupt, it's going to stay that way. And it's going to produce that type of fruit. And this is what we have with the Catholic Church. So, uh, let's go further. Double take. Um, EU tolerance poster includes cross, hexagram, and weight. What is that? And this is from a... Now, this is from a Christian website, but they're documenting this. This is a... Following picture is of a Europe for All poster currently on display at the European Commission. And here's the picture, and it's it's a blue poster. It's on display at the European Commission, and it says, We can all share the same star. It says Europe for All. And what it is, is it's a compilation of just about every single religious symbol that would represent almost every single religion and even some political systems on planet Earth in the shape of a star. Okay, you've got the cross, you've got the hexagram, you've got Taoism, you've got Islam, you've got the you've got the uh, hammer and sickle of the Soviet Union. <laughs> got that one in there too. You've got every cult you could imagine. A lot of these, I don't even know what they represent. But again, it's all about bringing about the one world religion under Antichrist. And then it goes on to say, oh, that's nice, tolerance and inclusion. It's like one of those coexist bumper stickers that you see in the United States. Here's a picture of one of them. Usually right next to the sticker that says, my other car is a broom. (laughs) So, that's true too. Because you'll see these coexist bumper stickers. It's usually a rabid lesbian. They'll have them on their car. Or a rabid lesbian, occultist, pagan witch, or some gay guy. I'm sorry, but that's usually who has them. And um, it has like the the um, the um, coexist. It's all spelled out in different religious symbols. The whole transgendered movement, the peace symbol, which is actually um, a very very wicked symbol. It's uh, the peace symbol is is essentially an occultist symbol of. Uh, it's called also called the witch's foot of. When an occultist undergoes a black mass ceremony, they will take like a clay cross and in order to blaspheme God, they will take it and, and break the, the sides of the cross down. And when they do it down, it forms a peace sign. Okay? That's what the peace symbol represents. It's wicked. Okay? Uh, if you have any things, these things on your clothes, you should get rid of them. Or if you have these symbols in your house, you should get rid of them. They're cursed objects. They literally give devils a right to exist wherever they go, wherever you take them. If they're in your house, if they're on your body, you're bringing a curse on yourself. Okay? I love you enough to tell you the truth. So that's what it is. Then they've got the Islamic symbols, the first symbol. And they've got the hexagram. Now the hexagram, I'm going to talk about that in a second. And then they've got the cross and some other symbols in there. But that's the coexist symbol. You'll also see the coexist symbol sometime. They might have three bumper stickers. My other car is a broom, which means they're a witch, okay? And then you've got the coexist symbol. And then you've also got the blessed bee symbol. Say blessed bee. 
blessed be is a witchcraft term, and when witches depart, that is what they will say to one another many times. Blessed be. That's how they, that's how they end. Uh, that's how they say goodbye. Or they'll also say, "May the force be with you." I know this is a Star Wars term, but it actually comes straight out of witchcraft. Star Wars is a very witchcraft-based type of, of, of show, brainwashing, propaganda. So anyway, uh, I give you here my teaching on the hexagram, the mark of the beast, and the Hebrew roots connection. Um, and I'm going to read you my, my description of that. Many believe the six-pointed star hexagram is a Jewish Christian symbol, but nothing could be further from the truth as it is the highest, most wicked of all occult symbols. This is a very prevalent symbol in the Hebrew Roots Messianic movement. The six-pointed star hexagram is a curse mark, no matter how you have it. It's a hex-a-gram. What is a hex? It's a curse. Okay. Uh, six-pointed star is a curse symbol no matter what way you cut it. Star, whether you want to call it Star of David, Solomon's seal. Let me tell you, David never had nothing to do with this symbol. Solomon, that's a different story. He got off into some major, major idolatry, okay, at one point. But anyway, double triangle, shield of David, whatever. When an occult practitioner puts a curse on someone, he many times uses a hexagram. And then it goes on to say, uh, Bible in Roman 10, 1, 2, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Israel adopting the hexagram as their national symbol is an example of them maybe saying they have a zeal for God to a certain extent, even though I know a lot of them are not there, okay, but not according to knowledge. Now that would apply to a Christian wearing one as well, or anyone else wearing one, okay, you have to be real careful what you're wearing and what symbols you're adopting. Because you could think that, you know, oh, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and that makes me holier and better. Always using these sacred names, these supposed Hebrew sacred names for God. Particularly Yahweh. Uh-uh, I don't, I don't mess with that stuff. You key in sacred names in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. You're going to find that you, if you're using that term Yahweh, you and, and many, many thousands and thousands of occultists have a whole lot in common. Okay? So, that's all I'm going to say. Key in sacred names, and you might want to look at that a little closer. Because I don't mess around with that. Goes, goes further, this goes further by saying, It is not my goal to condemn the Israelites, but to condemn the six-pointed star, a curse symbol. The hexagram star was mentioned and condemned by God, uh, by the God of Israel in Amos 5.26. Um, and it was called by him the star of your God, Moloch, and otherwise called Chun. This isn't a five-point star. This is a hexagram, and I prove it in the study with visuals and all type of pictures. Okay, um, reference was also made to the Israelites having it in the wilderness in Acts seven forty-three by by Stephen. Here, in this particular context, it was called the Star of Remphan. All these names refer to the god of Saturn. Now, the name Saturn is Chaldean and is and is pronounced Sater which is very close to Satan, but as every Chaldean scholar knows, when I happen to be a Chaldean scholar, no, just kidding, anyway, as every Chaldean scholar knows, consists of only four letters, which is S-T-U-R, or the word very close to star. This name contains exactly the apocalyptic number 
S equals 60, T equals 400, U equals 6, and R equals 200, which equals 666. So, Saturn actually translates, in, and this is the star of Saturn, which is the hexagram, actually translates into 666. Remember, it's a six-pointed star. You could get 666 from the star, and this is why I talked about this relating to the mark of the beast in this particular study. Now, Saturn is also the sixth planet from the sun. And it has six letters, and Saturn is associated with Satan, which has a very similar spelling. I mean, my word! We're supposed to abstain from all appearance of evil. <laughs> There's so many red flags with this hexagram. You know, it's almost... Again, I'm, I'm only just giving you my table of contents. This is a long teaching I did on this. Now, the other thing... I did a teaching called the cross of Christ versus the accursed tree. Okay? In this study, we will look at the difference between the cross of Christ and the accursed tree of the Bible. The cross symbol in various forms has been used both as a religious symbol and as an ornament from the dawn of man's civilization. Understand that way before Jesus was crucified on the cross, it was used as a religious symbol and an ornament from the dawn of man's civilization. Various objects dating from periods long before the Christian era have been found marked with crosses of different designs in almost every part of the old world, and they were used in paganism. I'm sorry. But this was way before Christ was ever crucified. The cross symbol was found in Scandinavia as the Tau cross, symbolized the hammer of God Thor. In Hinduism, the vertical shaft represents the higher celestial states of being. The horizontal bar represents the lower earthly states. The Ankh cross, which is different than a regular cross, is from Egypt, um, which is a Tau cross topped by an inverted tear shape and is associated with the false god Mat, uh, their goddess of truth. It also represents the sexual union of Isis and Osiris. The use of a human effigy on a cross in the form of a scarecrow has been used from ancient times also. In historic times, a human would be sacrificed and hung on a cross just the way that many churches and of, that many churches and of the Christian religion depicts today. The sacrifice would later be chopped to pieces. His blood and pieces of flesh were widely distributed and buried to encourage crop fertility. Okay, this is the history of the cross in general here. Okay, the first crucifixion scenes, now this is very important, the first crucifixion scenes didn't appear in Christian art until the 7th century by, guess who, the Catholic Church. The original cross symbol was in the form of a Tau cross and was so named because it looked like a Tau or the letter T. This is what you see like the symbol of Texaco, the gas station. It's a Tau cross. And that's a pentagram too. It's a Tau cross in the middle of a red and black pentagram. I don't. I try to go out of my way to never get gas at Texaco. I know a lot. most gas stations are wicked and evil, but some more so than others. Anyway... The Catholic Church copied and later modified this Tau cross symbol from the pagan Druids who made crosses in the in this form to represent the Tau god. This was done so that so that worshipers uh, the, those that worship this pagan god of Tau would come into the Catholic cult. See that we got so much wickedness and we've been so duped by traditions that the Catholic Church has brought into supposed Christianity and we don't even know it because we've not been educated about it. 
I mean, I know this is going to be a very controversial subject, but, you know, I, I lay it all out in this teaching here, okay? And I mean, again, what else do we get from the Catholic Church? All those pa- paintings of supposedly what Jesus looks like from Michelangelo? And isn't that funny? He looks exactly like the, the, the guy they call Master Jesus or Sananda Emmanuel. Esau Sandom, Sananda Emmanuel, who is one of these ascended masters that are getting ready to come on the scene and make their big debut. And for all of them to tell us that you know they are our creators and we're, our, we're their little science project. And that we mess things up so bad they got to come back and straighten everything out. And they're going to come back with the Antichrist and false prophet and let us know, you know what's really going on here. And that the Catholic Church has literally plans for this Sananda Emmanuel or Master Jesus to come back and take the reins of the Catholic Church. Who better? He's the one that's been supposedly planned to unite all the Christian religions. And do you know if a guy that looks just like all those paintings of Jesus in all the churches throughout all these ages shows up and says, hey, guess what? I'm Jesus you got the Bible all wrong. I'm going to tell you the correct interpretation of the Bible. And I'm going to take over the reins of the Catholic Church because you guys need some major help. And I want all religions that name the name of Christ or that say we're Christian to come underneath the Catholic banner. Do you know they're already on that track anyway? As I've said, look at what the National Council of Churches said five years ago, that the Catholic Church is the one true church. If he comes back and takes the reins and is at the head of the Catholic Church, you think that they're not going to flock to the Catholic Church and say, oh yes, yes, assimilate us mother whore Catholic Church. We want to come under your, under your whorish banner. We want to be assimilated into you. We came out of you, now we want to go back to you. That's not true of real Bible-believing Christians. They were never part of the Catholic Church. There's a whole other line of Christians that never were yoked up with the Catholic Church. The Protestants were. Why do they call them Protestants? Because they were protesting what went on in the Catholic Church. And via Martin Luther and that movement came out of the Catholic Church. And we have the the denominations like the Lutherans and the Presbyterians and them. There's a book written by Dr. Phil Stringer that you can get online called The Faithful Baptist Witness. And to me, it's not a, a, a thing about Baptist because I, at this point, they're not any, they're, they're just as, just about as assimilated as the other. I mean, you saw all the, the Baptist denominations I read there, but there, uh, that book gets into the lineage that came up, just like there was a separate lineages of Bible, the Byzantine, the majority text, the Textus Receptus, okay? And, the, they were first called Christians where in Antioch. Okay, this is where the true Christians and the true Bible actually emanated from. And then you have the other Bible and the other line of supposed Christians, the Catholics and their false Bible that came up through Alexandria, Egypt. And there's two lines of Christians and two lines of Bibles. Okay, and I get into that in my KJV study, just King KJV, and you can see about the Bible lines. And I've done tons of study on the Catholics, just keying Catholic in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, and you can key on that. But I just think, you know, the Bible says we're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, what does the Bible say about these symbols? Okay, does it say that the apostles and, and Christ were walking around with big crosses around them? And it says, take up your cross daily. Okay, yeah, but that's a symbolic type of thing, okay? Please understand, the first crucifixion scenes didn't appear in Christian art until the 7th century by the Catholic Church. 
you got to be real careful what you're doing. You got to be real careful. You know, the, the steeples on churches, that's a phallic symbol. Did, did all the home churches back in the, in the uh, New Testament where they all gathered? They were home churches back then. They weren't yoked up with the government. They weren't 501c3. The clergy did not go to the state to get licensed so they could be a preacher like they do now. Where's their Bible for that? Where's the Bible for being a corporation? Where's their Bible for saying you have to literally wear a cross around your neck? Wherever you go, you have to wear that symbol. Where's the Bible that says you have to, you have, to have pictures of Jesus hanging all over the place? We don't even know what he looks like. Michelangelo interpreted what he thought he looked like, and that wasn't even until hundreds of years later. And the Catholic Church gave us all of these traditions. They also assimilated all the pagan holidays. Sorry, I got, I got a little under the weather this week, and my voice is starting to go. But they assimilated all the pagan holidays, like Saturnalia, the birth of the sun god Tammuz. Oh, well, we'll just bring that in, and we'll rename it Christmas. Christ, Christ Mass. And we'll call it Christian. And that way we can appease the pagans who have come into the Catholic Church, who worship the sun god Tammuz on December 25th, the the, uh, birth of the sun god Tammuz. And to the Christians, we could say, hey, listen, it's the birth of the son of God, Jesus Christ. And we'll amalgamate them together and we'll have one big pagan happy hybrid. They did that with, with virtually all of the holidays. Easter, Ishtar, Gauss Ishtar, you could go through the occult holidays. The Catholic Church is responsible for giving us so much pagan idolatry and we don't even know it's pagan idolatry. We've got to get educated about these things because we're being destroyed for lack of knowledge because we have these things in our home, we celebrate these things, and and I'm not saying all my listeners, obviously, but, you know, listen, it's hard enough today to, to just you know, uh, deal with everyday life. You don't need any more burdens on you that you're bringing on yourself through paganism. And again, I've done studies on all this stuff. Just key in either Xmas or Christmas, whatever you want to key in. Easter, Valentine's Day, Halloween. Uh, Key in Master Jesus, if you want to know more about that Master Jesus. Or Sananda, Emmanuel, Esau, or whatever. You can find, I've done teachings on all these things separately. Usually many of them. But the Bible says in Acts 17.29, New Testament, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, this is addressing to Christians, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. So we're not to portray the Godhead in gold, silver, stone, graven art, or man's device. Wouldn't that eliminate, wouldn't that eliminate, like, all this false pictures of Jesus? Wouldn't that eliminate, like, crosses representing, you know, what we're supposed to be wearing? We're not ought to think that the Godhead is like in a gold, silver, stone, or graven art in man's device. We're not to think that way. There's no Bible telling us to do these things. If it's not clearly laid out, why are we doing it? Where do the traditions come from? Well, the Catholics wear a crucifix and we wear just a plain cross because Christ is not on the cross. I'll grant you that's way better. (laughs) You know, I'm just, you know, I'm going to err on the side of safety and not wear them. I'm just not going to wear them. I just don't see, I see more warnings about this. I look at where these traditions came from and all of the red flags associated with it. And I cannot put myself in that position where I'm going to adopt these things into my life. 
Okay, and then it goes on the next verse, and at times of this ignorance, God winked at. So in other words, people going around unknowingly wearing a cross or whatever, the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So once you become responsible for the information, once you know it, like if you listen to this teaching and you're like, wow, well then now you're responsible. And to whom much is given, much is required. And we have to be careful that we do not reject truth because if we reject truth, then our consciences will start to become hardened. God's not going to continually give us more truth if we continue to reject that truth. And the Bible says in regard to the end times, as the falling away of the church is happening and as the Antichrist is is being revealed, that God shall send them the world strong delusion that it will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So we have to be very careful what we're doing here. Now, back to the main article. Um, you know it's sort of... Uh, the, the article reels, it says, you know, it's sort of this magnanimous inclusivity that won the European Union and the Nobel Peace Prize. As the poster clearly illustrates, people of all, but wait, what is that? Now, that's regarding this poster where all these, these, um, these religions are unified. Now, what does the Word of God say about that? What does the Word of God say about this inclusivity and, oh, let's all come together under one religious banner, all of these false pagan religions, let's be one big happy family. What does the Word of God say? Because my opinion means nothing if it contradicts the Word of God. Well, Second Corinthians 6.14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? That's what the Bible says. And what concord, that means agreement, hath Christ with Belial, meaning the devil? Or what part hath he that believeth, meaning believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ, with an infidel? An infidel meaning like somebody like in some cult. We, we don't want to do this. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye, meaning... Uh, Born-again Christians, for ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, this is the conclusion of the matter, wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Okay, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Okay, so if we want God to be like a father to us and we want to be his sons and daughters, then we need to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. All of these pseudo-Christian religions yoking up with other cults and these types of things, that's an abomination to God. That is an absolute, total abomination to God. It's the exact opposite of what the Bible says to do. Now, here's an interesting verse that relates to the subject. Proverbs 21.16, the man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. What a verse that is. The man that shall wander out of the way of understanding. Now that's the majority. That is the absolute, let's let's just say pseudo-Christianity worldwide. 501c3, corporate everything, some lukewarm religion, okay? The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding, which is the norm, shall remain in the congregation of the dead. 
That's how God views the vast majority of churches. That's the Laodicean church of Revelation 3, which is the time frame we're living in, where they're lukewarm, yet they think they're in need of nothing, but God is going to vomit them out of his mouth. And they say, you know, they think we're rich and we're in need of nothing, we're pretty good, yet in God's eyes they're blind, wretched, weak, naked. Why? Because they're, they've wandered out of the way of understanding. And they're going to remain in the congregation of the dead. You know? The Bible, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 15, 14, they be blind leaders of the blind. This is what we're in reference to. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. If your pastor is some lukewarm, whatever type of, of mainline denomination, feel good, whatever, he's blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. You've got to be real careful who you let take authority over you. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. If you let a man or a woman in a church setting, or and particularly if you go there and sit there physically in their church, it's a different dynamic than listening to them on the TV. That can happen on TV too. I mean, that's, that's a whole other subject. And that does happen to a lot of people. But if you go there, there's... The spirits are more active. There's, they have more right. They have more access to you because you've willingly went there and set yourself in subjection. you got to be real careful. This is all part of the falling away of the church that, that the Bible clearly predicted in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Then God's going to send a strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned or receive not to love the truth. Wolves in sheep's clothing, ministers that are ministers of Satan, but they're going to appear as ministers of righteousness, hirelings that have no true love for the sheep, but the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep, being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Second Timothy 3.13, or yeah, um, where it talks about that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's going to be the norm. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. This is going to be the norm. Lest Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Most people are totally ignorant of Satan's devices, so they've totally been taken advantage of, and they don't even know it. It's the norm. And my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge, according to Hosea 4, 6. And the Bible says, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be a priest to me no more. And I will also reject thy children. So your actions can also affect a lot of other people. So we just got to be really careful. You know, I'm not here to point you to me. I'm here to point you to truth and the word of God. You know, I'm a man. I can fail you. I don't tell anybody to follow me. Okay, I'm just trying to be a liaison for you and bridge the gap between you and truth. You check this stuff out. You go check it out. You get into the King James Bible. You read that. And you'll, you'll find out that the stuff we're reporting on is easily verifiable. I'm not saying I never mess up or I'm above reproach or I think I know it all. If I got what I deserved, I'd get death in hell. I'd be the first to admit it. I'm just trying to... I, see, I've been there, done it. I've been in the deceived boat, majorly. You know, grew up 
totally new age background, mom into yoga, party, you know, all night long, my parents lived to party, you know, the whole nine yards, Lutheran middle school, Catholic high school, hyper charismania, to hardcore independent fundamental Baptist. I mean, I've been all over the spectrum, you know, so I've kind of seen a lot of stuff. And I think God took me through that so I can help other people. So anyway, um, so they be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. Revelation 18.4, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, and again, this would apply to this, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. If you're in the corporate, lukewarm, mainline denomination, or whatever thing that you're into, and you stay in that, you have to understand, at some point you're going to have to come out of her, because she is not going to get any better. It may be tolerable right now for you in there, and you may have a lot of friends and these types of things, but there's going to come some point, you have to realize that that church you're in is going to be forced to either say, we're going to be assimilated into the beast system, and if they're mainline denomination, guaranteed they're going to do it. And we want to take all you with us. That decision will 100% come. Either the church is going to have to make it collectively, or you're going to have to make it individually for yourself. I'm just saying, it's a matter of fact. We're going to have a one world religion, and all the mainline denominations are going to be assimilated into it. Bible predicts it, and all the handwriting on the wall is there. I have given you a whole a lot of proof of that today already. So, you come out of her, be not partakers of her sins, that you receive not of her plagues. You don't want any part of this stuff. You know? Uh, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Jesus Christ said, um, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, uh, Matthew 10.32, uh, Whosoever, let me just type that in here. Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Okay? But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. And that's a warning to us. You know, we never ever want to get to a point where we deny Christ. They that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. I'm not talking about works-based salvation. I'm, I'm talking about enduring to the end. Okay, you know, we don't want to ever turn our back on the Lord Jesus Christ, ever. So, then Jesus says, goes on to say, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. Now, these people who put up these posters, and the one world religion, and the Antichrist, the false prophet, and all of these religious leaders are all going to say, oh, no, no, we need peace. And how's the Antichrist going to come as a man of peace? Most likely at the, on the ashes of World War III, when people will be more desperate for peace than any other time that humanity's ever known. Because his timing is going to be impeccable. You watch. So, it goes on to say, Think not that I have come to send peace on earth. He is the Prince of Peace. We will have peace during the thousand year millennial reign of Christ. There is peace in heaven. But on this earth right now, he's not coming to send peace. He says, I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. I get emails all the time from people. You know, my wife doesn't like me listening to you, or my husband doesn't like me listening to you. 
you know, uh, they say, you know, I'm crazy, you're crazy, and yet they don't give any any biblical justification at all. It's just their opinion. Well, the Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. Well, sure. I mean, what I, what I get into on a weekly basis is not fun. It goes against the absolute grain of mainline lukewarm Christianity and the world in general. It's shocking. It is in your face. It's not sugar-coated at all. I, I mean, my life's not a popularity contest. And neither is yours. You know? Um, so, but am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? So they give their heartfelt opinions. No, no, I think you're crazy for listening to this guy. And that's about as far as it'll typically go. I got one the other day, a guy, his wife was whatever, mad at me and about the Christmas thing. Cause that's a big one, you know, and I don't pull any punches with, with Xmas, you know, Christ mass where we got from the Catholic church. And I've done a whole bunch of teachings on it, exposing it, just keying Xmas or whatever in the keyword search box. And, you know, that's a big one. That's the unholy grail. Unholy grail for a lot of people. That's where they draw the line, man. Don't mess with Christmas. I don't care what justification you give me. Don't you confuse me with the facts because my mind is made up. Is their opinion of it. Doesn't matter what I tell them. You know, I know how my heart feels during Christmas. Well, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. That was, that's what I would say to it. <laughs> Warn of them that call evil good and good evil. It's totally evil. You cannot take Saturnalia, which is the birth of the sun god Tammuz, and try to say slap, slap a Christian veneer on it, a new coat of paint, Christian paint or whatever, and call it Holy. It was wicked from its inception. It was always pagan. It was always evil. Just like Ishtar or Easter. Just like Halloween. Just like Valentine's Day. Every one of these things are deeply rooted in satanic paganism. And I'll make no apologies for it. But I'll tell you what. That one point alone. You'll split a church. You'll do. I mean they will not give up Xmas. I don't care what you tell them. Because the traditions of of men have made the word of God of none effect. The Bible puts it very clearly. The traditions of God, or the traditions of men, have made the word of God of none effect. That's exactly what it boils down to. Are you going to have a whole lot less friends? You betcha. Are you going to feel, maybe possibly feel isolated and alone? Yep, you might be. And Jesus might be doing that, so you totally rely on him and him alone. I don't know. I don't have a good good answer for people that say, well, what do I do? Where do I go? The Bible says, forsake not the fellowship uh, of the brethren and these types of things. That's true. But do then we yoke up with them in apostasy when they're going, clearly these churches are going and going to be assimilated into the one world religious order? I don't know. You need to pray about that. That's between you and God. I got out of it a long time ago. I've been there, done it for years. I got out of it a long time ago though. Best, Best move I ever made. The Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient for me. I have resided myself to the fact that if I'm the only one on planet Earth, and I know that's not the case, but I'm saying if it came down to that and I was by myself with no one else and all I had to rely on was the Lord Jesus Christ, that would be, that's fine. I'm not praying for that. I'm not asking for it. I'm not tempting God. I'm just saying if it were to get that bad, I have resided myself to the fact that me and Jesus Christ, that's all I need. 
I'm not going to participate in these things. I'm just not going to do it. Not going to happen. I'm, I'm at a very high accountability level with the stuff that I put out. And the last thing I need to be doing is giving in and into these types of things. So, you know, this causes breaks in marriages. But the thing is, is here's the deal. Here's the guy, the guy that wrote me, trying to do the right thing. And the wife's basically threatening him. Saying, you know, listen, you better see it my way or there's going to be serious repercussions here about Xmas. And, and the, the, the pathetic pastor will be the first one to back her up. Seeing this over and over again. Backing up a good old pagan holiday. You better get on track, you know, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. Because, you know, you're, you're acting a little nutty. And, you know, I'm a pastor of a church. I'm ordained man of God or woman of God or whatever they want to call themselves. I'm licensed by the state to be a preacher. I don't see a Bible for that at all. I'm a 501c3 corporate pastor, has this church. And how dare you come to me and think you know more about the word of God than I do. Most of the time, those cemeteries, I mean seminaries they went to, ruined them most of the time. That's where they get corrupted. That's where their faith gets corrupted. I never did none of that. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor of chiropractic. I did all kind of extra stuff in that particular field. But I never had any formal seminary training. Nothing. Nothing. And I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't have any of it. Because I look around. All I got to do is look around. The 501c3 corporate, state licensed everything, whore that's going into the B system, I don't want to be a part of it. I know there's exceptions to the rule. True. But I'm talking about the majority here. And Jesus Christ said, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. And when you have these types of problems with husband and wife, daughter against uh, mother and these types of things, this is evidence of this stuff because most people will not want any part of this. Narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Most people are going to want to be swept up into the strong delusion. I hate to say that, but it is the truth. It's the majority. You pray for them. You fast for them. Do whatever it takes. Maybe the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, their eyes will be opened and they'll get saved. And that's my main prayer, is that they get saved. But you need to do what's what you need to do and not worry about the repercussions from other people. God can take care of you, no matter what the circumstance. So, a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. These are hard words, but it's truth. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. And again, does that mean wearing a big cross? No, it's symbolic. Now, I've done a whole teaching on bearing the cross of Christ. Okay? It's just so you know, on, on top of the other teaching I just gave you the, the link for. So, let's go further. So, then it, it ends by saying, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. When you totally... Just are like, okay, you see all this evidence of all these things. A lot of this is losing your life. Wow, I'm not going to participate in Xmas anymore. I'm not going to participate in Ishtar. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go to this apostate church. 
that I've been in that's going straight to hell. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not characterizing every single church on the planet that way. I'm just saying, the majority, obviously, true. I'm not going to participate in this and this and that. And I don't want to turn this into a works-based salvation thing. I'm just saying, once you find the truth, you, you start, you want to embrace the truth. You don't want, you don't want to reject it. Because if you start rejecting the truth, then your conscience will be start to be seared with a hot iron eventually. If you keep rejecting truth over and over and over and over again, you, and you're going to bear bad fruit. Most likely. So then uh, I give you, there's a close-up of this symbol of the, of the uh, sickle and hammer, of the Soviet sickle and hammer of these religious symbols. I mean, it's unbelievable. It, it ends by saying, seriously, the hammer and sickle symbol made infamous by the Soviet Union has made its way onto the poster promoting inclusion and tolerance. We could go on about this irony of placing a symbol that is closely tied to communism as the swastika is to Nazism, but this one person said it best. Uh, I guess he was Soviet, Hanan, uh, Soviet uh, writer from that era. He said, for three generations, the badge of the Soviet Revolution meant poverty, slavery, torture, and death. It adorned the caps of the Sheikahs who came in at night. It opened and closed the propaganda films, which hid the famines. It, and this is all fruit of communism, which is what Obama's trying to bring here. It advertised the people's courts were victims of purges and show trials were condemned. It fluttered over the re-education camps and gulags. For hundreds of millions of Europeans, it was a symbol of foreign occupation and probably most likely terror. Hungary, Lithuania, Moldova have banned its use. And the former communist countries want it to be treated in the same manner as Nazi insignia. Yet, there it sits on the poster of the European Commission advertising the moral deafness and blindness of its author. So, that's all I have for today. I'm way over on part two. And, um, sorry about that for people that are trying to burn these to CDs. And, uh, God bless you. And we had absolutely our best month ever last year on downloads. I mean, it's like off the scale. Um, so, so much further than when we first put the site up. And, um, oh, I'm sorry, I said last year. I mean this year. Our best download month ever last month um, by far. And I don't even know how many downloads we're getting at this point. With the people that repost on YouTube, with the way that the site is, it's really, really hard to get accurate counts. But it's went up, oh my word, I don't know, probably... Literally, like, I think if you count all of the downloads that are happening right now, I would say f some, from since when we first even put up the new website, probably about 30-fold, if you count everything. So, I praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know how much much longer we have on the internet, the way the world is moving. Um, but I praise the Lord Jesus Christ, give him all the credit and glory. And I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time and this day you've given us. I pray, God, that your truth would penetrate into the hearts of the body of Christ, Lord God, wherever your truth or your word is being preached or taught worldwide, in whatever way, shape, or form it manifests, Lord. And I pray that we would pursue truth, Lord God, that we would have a love for the truth. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, and that we would have that hatred of evil, but at the same time we wouldn't hate the evildoers, Lord, that we would pray for their salvation, but we would hate the evil that they perpetuate and that we would go and do whatever you call us to do to expose this evil, Lord. Because if it remains hidden, Lord God, it will tend to fester and, and, and grow. 
And I just pray, God, you use the body of Christ, my listeners, Lord, in this ministry, and wherever your word or your truth is being preached worldwide, mightily for your glory, that you protect the innocent, Lord, the unborn babies, the babies, the body of Christ, the orphans, the widows, the children, Lord God, the moms and the dads out there, and and those that are, are being persecuted, those that don't have water or food or shelter. I pray to God you provide for all their needs, Lord, according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ be over them, that your angels encamp around about them and go before them to prepare the way, Lord, that they remember to put on the full armor of God every day. Lord God, I just pray that the sword of the Spirit would be in their mouth, Lord, and that you quicken them, strengthen them, body, soul, and spirit in every way, shape, or form. Break any curses off the body of Christ, Lord God, off the worthy good ministries that are out there, Lord, and that your name be glorified through them, that you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.